Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris of LSOs on social media. Welcome back to Sober 50 Podcast on So Organised Style. Thanks for listening. So Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Thanks for joining us again on Sober 50's podcast. So Over 50 intersects with all communities. Pam, or sewn on the map on Instagram, is today's Silver 50 follower and podcast guest. Thanks for being on Silver 50 today, Pam. How did you develop your online name? It made sense for me to kind of play with my name is Pam, my name backwards is Map. I've lived in five other countries than my native country, visited about 50 other countries, and so sewn on the map made sense and is true to the kind of identity that I feel is uh, rolling stone in many ways. But I've gathered a lot of sewing moss along the way. (laughs) (laughs) And really, my sewing story is back to when I was a baby that my grandmother sewed for me. And so I grew up in a family that believed home sewn clothes were better than store-bought clothes because what my grandmother could make for us always was much more beautiful, better fitting. It's interesting. My sister has no interest in sewing and my mother, she can sew, but she really doesn't. She never did really. I was the one who really became very passionate about it. And my grandmother showed me how to sew and supported me as far as as she could, because I lost her when I was in my early 20s. I sewed as soon as I was able to, from little on, so. But you know, like all of us, I've been at jobs, children, life, that the amount of time you can spend sewing really kind of fluctuates throughout your life. It does, it really does. Can I go back to, the quality of your grandmother's sewing. The comment that you made was that your grandmother's sewing was was a better quality and it was more beautiful. Were the clothes that your grandmother made, did they last longer as well? Yeah, I still have some of them. You do? Yes, I still have. I'm like, I could take a picture out of a magazine and hand it to her. Mm-hmm. I have a beautiful velvet dress she made me based on like a Ralph Lauren photo from like the eighties. And she just looked at it and made it for me. Mm-hmm. And she made me, you know, she would sew from patterns too. Yeah. So she made me these beautiful back then. It's so funny. Cause like a lot of the stuff I sewed early on when I was like in my teens and twenties is a lot of what everyone's sewing now, you know, like these, those Laura Ashley dresses that were gathered at the waist. I made four of them with these like square necks and puffy sleeves. I have no idea what happened to them, but I wore them a lot. That was my uniform when I was in college. I was always like in a frothy dress, but my grandmother made me some Ralph Lauren pattern dresses and I have two of them still. And my daughter wore one for Christmas on Christmas day. She was wearing this dress. Yeah, so that, yeah, they've lasted. They're beautiful. I have some suits she made me, a coat. 
I have some ball gowns that she made for my mother. She was amazing and totally self-taught. Totally. Totally. And do you look inside of what she's made to get a better idea of her construction? Sorry, I'm getting really sewing nerd here. She didn't have a serger. Yep. So she would line things a lot Mm -hmm. and she would hand sew a lot of things to get things just perfect. I was in college and I was going to go to a ball. I was actually overseas at college and I asked her, could you please make me a ball gown? And three weeks later, this black ball gown that I still have showed up. (laughs) And I mean, and it fit me perfectly. I mean, how talented is that really? Oh yeah, she was, yeah, she was amazing. Yeah. It sounds like she was very interested in making sure that she passed on her skills to you as much as she could. Yes. And then also, I think she also really liked being the kind of magician that she was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I was, I was busy. I think she wanted me to go to college and have a, you know, she had not had that uh, opportunity as a young woman. And she was someone who lived through the depression and, you know, she was an immigrant to the United States. And so seeing me go off to college, she was thinking of, you know, my future as being completely different and maybe not really being one. While she helped me when I asked questions about sewing, right? I don't think she wanted me to like focus on sewing. She wanted me to go off and have a professional career that was college, you know, that kind of thing. And once I was really sewing, we weren't near each other. Okay. And then, you know, by that time I was married and had a family and was really wanting to sew for myself, for my children. She was just a, a wonderful angel on my shoulder. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Remembering, you know, the joy I had from her handmade things. That was something I wanted to have for my kids. That's a great memory to have. Yeah. You've explained your online name. Is there anywhere else we could find you online, Pam? No, I'm really just on Instagram. I had a a blog a long while ago, and it was mostly about living in Italy, where I was living at the time. It's really not related to this. And, you know, sometimes I think, oh, I'd love to do a sewing blog for myself. But in all honesty, I'd much rather sew. I totally appreciate and love everybody who's so good at showing exactly how they do something and Mm -hmm. giving their tips and stuff. But I have a really consuming job as a English teacher and I'm happy to use sewing as something that is just show and tell on Instagram for me. So when did you discover the Sew the 50 community? I think very soon after the hashtag happen. I was so excited about it. And it made it so wonderful to connect with people who were passionate about making their own clothes and all the details. And what I love is, you know, when I'm wanting to sew a pattern, going and looking at everyone's interpretations, because I know we all know what it's like to not have this, to like sewing in a little vacuum because 
especially like in the 80s and 90s, I mean, there's been a resurgence, I think, and women younger than us wanting to sew. But I don't think that in our generation, like what I was saying about with my grandmother, I think mm. there was, you know, like there was kind of like a, no, you don't want to sew. That makes, you're not a feminist if you sew kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. There was that kind of attitude And so you almost were, and I've definitely had times where I've told people I sew and had people have negative reactions to that. Mm -hmm. Be like, oh, you know, that's the last thing I'd want to do. You know, somebody, some people have said that to me. So Mm -hmm. now when you get to have this little hashtag that just opens up the world of people who understand you and have the same passion you have it's it's wonderful it's a it's a jubilant experience i think the good thing about the server 50 account and the hashtag is the sharing of information and inspiration and providing visibility for people who are who are mature on the grids of sewing companies now right oh yeah it's wonderful it's really great And I think being pursued, I mean, by the companies that there are, want us as customers, you know, we, we are loyal customers and, and enthusiastic ones. Yeah, it really has done an amazing sea change in the way we are seen by the sewing enterprise in general. I mean, it's taken a while. But I think it's been a really positive change because we support them and it's lovely to see that they're supporting us now. Yeah, definitely. So in your sewing experience, are there any tools or notions that you favor the most? I love, it's like, I think because, you know, I'm kind of a literary person. I love my bodkin. I have like a bunch of bodkins, you know, so I love all those little things that help things go through when you're gathering or putting something in but you know for me like I think that I am in general sort of impatient sometimes and I think that what's been the most transformative thing for me is basting really yes because I think you get so much better results when you baste and now I do it you know if I have the least concern about like something going under my machine and not coming out right mm-hmm. I'm like okay I'm just going to baste it first because pins you know get stuck I'm now a baster <laughs> good on you <laughs> yeah I mean it gives you a much better result and you know that when you're about to sew the seam that it will work right it's control you get a lot of control yeah that's great oh that's good advice for new sewers especially like collars and things like that. It makes such a difference. Because there's a lot of accuracy around collars, collar points, how it fits, how it stands. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The other thing about sewing on the map for me is that I'm a fabric tourist. (laughs) (laughs) So everywhere I go, I always look ahead, like to see if there's a fabric store I'm always looking for independent fabric stores. 
I'm always asking, do you know if there's any fabric stores there, of, you know, like on even travel sites and stuff. And I have, for me, like some of my most favorite souvenirs of my travels are my fabric. And also I think for a long time, worse over 50, like I think in my 30s, I was collecting, but I wasn't sewing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't feel I wanted to hang on to it. And I don't feel that way anymore. I want to sew it. I want to sew all the things. <laughs> I want to get them in my closet or sew them for my daughters. Yeah. So in your amazing sewing room, do you have places where the souvenir fabrics are stored? I lived in Nairobi for two years. So I have a special you know, shelf that's full of Ankara Mm -hmm. from when I lived there. And I have, the last time I went to France, Malia Kent was having a big sale. So I have the stuff I bought then all together. So yeah, I have lots of fabric. It's organized though. Yeah. And then there's boxes. So I also have lots of lace and ribbons dating back to my grandmother's stash. So I still have some of her fabrics as well. I love my Aladdin's cave. It looks like it's very inspiring. It is. It is. It's a little, it's just a place that's just totally mine and me. I haven't been able to have that always. And, you know, sometimes we've been in really small situations as we've traveled. My husband's job took us on a lot of these places overseas and and it was great and I loved it but sometimes you know sewing was you know just my machine underneath the table that I could take out and then had to put everything away because we just didn't have the space so when I have had this room it's so great <laughs> very special yes just kind of a life goal that's happened <laughs> that's so good to hear what advice would you give listeners who want to get more from their sewing experience Related to what I just was talking about, I'm a very narrative person in my thinking about sewing. I like to have a little story or a little idea about why I'm making something or what I'm making it for. Having those inspirations is really important and also to go the full length on it. You know, Mm -hmm. do the thing that makes it even more unique, even more special. I have a collection of buttons that are really wonderful buttons, but they're just ones or maybe twos. So now I'm trying finding ways to just use them as a small embellishment, even if it's just inside, like, you know, or on a pocket. For me, that is the je ne sais quoi you're looking to put into things you know that makes it so much your own so it's a pam special yeah or any sewist can have their maria special or for me that's why i sew it's that feeling of the specialness of wearing something you've made that uniqueness it's so easy to go out and buy clothes now you know what i mean like yeah it is it's so easy and honestly time and money you would save yourself time and money to buy clothes in many cases but the gratification you get from making your clothes it has to be in that specialness you know i agree 
Pam, thank you so much for sharing your sewing story on the podcast for our Sober 50 listeners and our Selganized style listeners. Thank you, Maria. It was so thrilling. So I'm just honoured. Thank you. I'm honoured that you've given us your time and done all the planning behind the scenes. So thanks, Pam. All right. Have a great day. And have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of Sober 50 Podcast on Soul Organized Style was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Pam, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to Soul Organized Style Podcast, but with an S, not a Z, on all good podcast apps. Make sure you go back and listen to our Sober 50 Podcast archive. We hope that you'll support us through our Patreon account if you can. Every podcast is free with the aim to keep you company and encourage you to sew more often. Post any questions or suggestions you have on our Instagram account at Soul Organized Style or on our website at www.soulorganizedstyle.com or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.